Look out, devil. Here we come. Amen. Aren't you glad that God can take a little bitty small rock and speed it up to make it hypersonic? So he can take your little, small, seemingly prayer. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Oh, God, I, I need you. Lord, please help me, please. And demons are running, screaming. Oh. <laughs> but they want you to think, you're wasting your time. Well, you know you struggle when you get down to pray and you can't even think of things to say and you just go, well, of course they're going to tell you that. Because they don't want, you think they're going to be honest with you? Please, Brother Tom, don't pray. You, you shake me. You scare me. You terrify me. Don't pray, buddy, please. They're not going to tell you that. They're going to tell you why God don't even hear your prayer. Why, sure, Brother Darrell, my goodness, if anybody could pray like that all the time, sure. God hears his prayer. You think he don't tell him he don't hear his prayer too? But the thing of it is, it's not that you want to convince the devil that God hears your prayer. You want to be convinced yourself. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Oh, I love, love church. I know some folks love money. Some folks love this and that and the other. But when God saved me so many years ago, he gave me a love for the house of God. I just absolutely love it. Let's turn tonight to Genesis 22, chapter 22, and we'll read a few verses here together. <clears throat> chapter 22, verse 15. I think our brother said, good song. I appreciate that. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and it's not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. I may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. God bless you. My so many needs. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed tonight to be able to bow our heads, to call upon your great name, not through a formality, not through a ritual called prayer, but to a real believer, prayer is not a formality nor a ritual. It is a channel, a means of communication. Lord God, we're asking you tonight once again for your favor. There's not a one of us that no doubt has one or multiple needs, requests on our hearts. So we bring them before you, Father. We lay them in your august presence. We come because there is an atonement been made for us. And even though we may hear one another's voice, yet when our prayer comes up through the blood of the Lord Jesus, you don't actually hear my voice even now. As my voice is praying, 
It's coming up through the blood. And it's as if it was the Lord Jesus himself. For when we pray in your will, in your name, it is you. So, Father, we're asking you tonight. Your will would be done. The sick, the afflicted, the oppressed, the sad, the weary, whatever we have need of tonight. And the visible audience, invisible as well. May you come and take the service. Help me, Father. Anoint me. Help me to get out of the way that I can speak that which is pleasing to you, Lord. Bless us now, Father, as we spend these few moments together in the gates of your courts. Help us, Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. I love you. You can be seated. Now let's run kind of this way. We'll run two thoughts, one to the left, one to the right, and then we'll merge them together. We're talking about getting into the Spirit and also kind of branching off on this about possessing the gates of our enemies. But if you've been saved very long at all, you know that God has a season of fulfillment when it comes to His Word. And as strange as that may seem to those that don't know the Lord, and maybe they, for some that's not really been saved that long, and they think that whenever they pray, and whenever they ask God for something, they think that it will happen immediately. That if you ask, then it'll happen right there. But He doesn't say it that way. As a matter of fact, He teaches us most of the time it'll be the opposite. But when it is time, if God has a time frame on a certain portion of His Word, we could pray, we could scream, we could holler, we could fast until we were so weak we couldn't even hardly walk. We could do everything that we knew to do. But if God had a time frame and an allotment that was set on a certain promise in His Word, we will not be able to hasten that promise and make it come to pass when we wish. But the thing is, for us as the people of God getting under the influence of the Spirit, we can see beyond a shadow of a doubt that the world is working under the mechanics of a one-world government. We can see a lot of the things even, I believe myself, even with the COVID thing, that we can see the governments of the world and their mandates and their laws about this and laws about that. Now, I don't believe that that's the mark of the beast, but I do think that it's a precursor to moving things together to where that the people will be pushed to one world government one monetary system, and be able to influence the people to where it's never been before. And we know that when God gets ready to bring His Word to pass, and on the opposite side, as darkness cannot keep it from happening, neither can the light in the saints of God rush the fulfillment of what God wants to do. Now, the world is getting underneath that. We see Russia, by gathering approximately 100,000 troops, 
and they're there at the border of another country, Ukraine, and the government of the United States concerned about it, China concerned about it, the European Union concerned about it, uh, the Prime Minister of, of Russia just this week saying that if America did this and China did that, get ready for World War III. So they're already talking about all these things. We can see what Iran is doing. We can see how they're trying to take by all types of talking and meeting together and forcing issues. And we know it'll never work. It's real easy to sit there at them great meetings and say, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. And while they're telling that lie, they're already enriching uranium to pass the 60% level heading toward the 90% in order to have enough uranium to make one bomb. Now, I ain't too smart, okay? Y'all know that already. How in the world those Palestinians which are wanting Iran to bomb Israel and how they think they're going to bomb Israel and the fallout is going to stop at the Gaza Strip. Now come on, I'm from Kentucky, but I ain't no blooming idiot. You, you got to be kidding me. You're wanting them to build an atomic bomb and somehow, look, I've been there and seen that wall that separates Israel from the Palestinians. I come through that wall in a van. It is a concrete wall, but you're not going to keep the fallout from going over that wall. Somebody wake up. So you think, and their people are in the right mind, but in reality, when you look at it, they can't keep from doing that. Do you know that the UN just this week passed another resolution against Israel, and they call Jerusalem and there the Temple Mount, and said that the Temple Mount belonged to the Muslim community alone. That it did not belong to Israel, and it did not belong to Christians, but it belonged to the Muslims, and actually they have no background tie, no historical tie. Well, I don't know about you, but again, I've seen enough artifacts with my own eyes that tied them back. I saw a little coin just not long ago that they traced back to the days of Isaiah. I saw a picture of another one that they had found in the ancient steps, which they've uncovered just in the last year, that the Lord Jesus walked up those steps and they'd been buried there for 2,000 years near the arch that had fallen, Wilson's arch, and whenever they dug down in there and they found a coin that someone had and they was actually dated it back to the time of the Romans when Titus come through and there was a little crack that fell down in beside that thing and there were some Jews in underneath them steps that was hiding when Titus was coming in. And this little coin had fell off and fell right down in there and it had been laying there since 70 A.D. 70 A.D. Now you believe what you want, them coins and that dirt don't lie. So there, there is historical proof that the Jews were there. But yet, I don't care how many resolutions the UN wants to pass, they'll still not take away the promise of God's word. 
But you look at it naturally, and they're trying to do to Israel what the denominations and many that have left the message are trying to do to us as the bride. They want to tell us our inheritance is not back with the original apostolic fathers. But I'm here to tell you tonight and remind you as a child of God, we were not founded in 1956. We were not founded in 1933. But we go plumb back before the foundation of the world and we also go back to the original apostolic fathers on the day of Pentecost. Now the Catholic Church wants to say that that's them, but we say "Uh uh-uh, that was us. Praise the Lord. So let the denominations rule us out. Let all the rest of the people laugh at us and make fun of us, but we are enjoying our inheritance and our faith has been restored back to the original fathers. And one way that I know that I'm the original Catholic and the Pope ain't, first of all, I don't wear a dress the way he does. And I don't stand up and yonimo, yonimo, big toe and all that stuff that he says because I have been chased right back to the original original apostolic faith I don't baptize in titles and I don't pray to the secretary but I pray to the main man himself I baptize in Jesus name hallelujah I believe what the original apostolic fathers taught it is my inheritance and you know what the Jews do whenever all the nations of the world say well it don't belong to you they just keep shining their guns and keep working on their armament because I'll tell you what they're going to do and they'll do it shortly. What the United Nations will not be able to do by Iran, Israel is already working on it and before they ever get ready to drop a bomb, the Mossad has already said we will never allow them to come to atomic power. So just hold your little dreams in your hands, United Nations, and watch out because Israel will work with the United States or without them. Listen up, Mr. Biden. Listen up, Congress. Listen up, Senate. Listen up, AOC and all the rest of you. They don't need your approval. They've got God's promise. And let me say to the Democrats and to the Republicans and to the message believers and the ones that used to be message believers, as the bride, we don't want your approval. We don't need your approval. We don't need our pastors to be ordained from Jeffersonville or from Louisiana or from Johnson City. Our pastors it's called of God. They have hallelujah heaven's background. They've got heaven's inspiration. They've got heaven's stimulation and before long they're going to have heaven's elevation because we don't need to be sent from some great university. We don't need the background of a denomination. We've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We baptize in Jesus name and every now and then we get a little bit happy and we shout and we gaze hallelujah because we are Acts 238 youngins Amen As Israel will stand alone So does the bride. It'd be nice if we could go hand in hand together, but she never did walk that way. 
I'm not talking about us as a bride. I'm talking about, you know, with all these affiliations and all these societies and this and that and the other. God's people ain't never went that way. They've always been a peculiar, separated people. Now, what we want to look at tonight by the help of the Lord is, go back with me. And we will revert back in time to the year 536 B.C. It is a time that Israel is in a very dark history of their lives. But the time is right for a prophecy to start being illuminated and unfolding to come to pass. Now remember, before we'll ever possess the gates of our enemy, we have to be in the spirit of the prophesied word. Now remember, Jeremiah had prophesied that Israel would go into the land of Babylon and they would be there for 70 years. But during this time frame, this particular year, 536 B.C., it has now come the time for the season of prophecy to start unfolding. And there's going to be somebody, many of them, that's going to possess the gates of their enemy. But they can't do it on their own. They cannot even make this word come to pass. Many of them have been raised in Babylon by now. Some of the old heads were still alive, but many of the younger generation that's going to go in and take the land, they have, all they've known is Babylon, or Persia rather. This is all they've known, but now it's switched over. And Cyrus, the great king, has come, and he's the one that God's gonna use. Now watch this in the book of Ezra, chapter one, verse one. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. I love the way the, the author of the book of Ezra wrote this. Listen how he phrases it. That the word of the Lord by the mouth, by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Well, let me just remind you something that there are words by the mouths of Elijah that are gonna be fulfilled. And I believe I am looking tonight with my two eyes at people that are gonna fulfill prophecy just like they did in 536 BC. But you see, it was the word of the Lord by the mouths of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Moses, by the mouth of Joshua. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So here it is time for procession to start happening among the people of God. But they've got to get in the spirit first but I want you to notice who gets in the spirit first. Not Ezra. Not Nehemiah. Not Shebazar. Not some of the other people that we will read about here shortly. But actually God stirs up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. 
Praise God. That he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. Now, I want you to remember, uh, many of you do, of course, about Cyrus, that, that nearly 150 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah foretold his birth, his name, and his destiny. Things that he would do, hallelujah, for the people of God. Don't tell me our God don't know. You imagine he called this guy's name and actually referred to him as a shepherd. And when you look at the historical background about Cyrus and know that his parents, he was taken away from them and actually was raised by shepherds and the insignia of the very power paraphrase of his name is under that sign. And yet God spoke all of that before he was ever born on the earth. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me. You know what, friend, when I read this this evening, I thought, God, if you're able to move on a king that never did really give his heart to you, that never did really give his life to you, and yet he was able to acknowledge you and be able to recognize that you had done all this and be able to make a proclamation that would allow the people of God to go in and take their land, how much more can God do with a Holy Ghost-filled child of God. The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Now you think this ought to be them going to him and said, hey, you know, we're, we're all stirred up. Man, we're all fired up. We're ready to go back to Israel. Hallelujah. And, but instead, God has said, no, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to so weigh on that man's heart. I am go, I'm so, I'm going to burden his spirit. I'm going to burden his mind. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it heavy on him. And he's going to get out there and preach to some of my people. And he's going to say, is there anybody here that's got a burden for the house of God? Is there anybody here that's got a desire to do something for the house of God? You think, really? Really? God was a prophet. God was a preacher. But God chose to do it this way. His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God. He is, hallelujah. Now remember, he was a heathen. This man had many gods. But somehow he believed this was the God. But notice where he places him. He said, build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Well, he was there, but he was also in heaven. He was in Mesopotamia. He was in Persia. But you see, this is typical for what the heathen believed. They believed that a God could be resident in one city only, or he could be a resident in one particular place. Oh my, aren't you glad you know the truth of that? And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver. Oh, you know what? He passed an edict. We're going to finance this whole thing. Wow, don't you love it when God does that? 
I mean, God is going to make a way for them to do it. Why? Hey, how wise is going to be? Now, if they would have tried to rebel against Cyrus, if the people of God said, we're sick of this bondage, we're sick and tired of this, we're coming out of here, let's get all of our pennies together, and boy, we'll raise up. God said, no, just hold steady until the time is right. I wonder sometimes, friend, when we struggle so hard to have faith, we struggle so hard to make this happen and that happen, if we can just wait on God and one day you just walk right into it and what you struggled to do for years, the power of God opened it up and made every bit of it fall right in place. Oh, we get so anxious, don't we? Notice that the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering. I mean, this old boy's not only laying ties on him, He's laying taxes. He's saying, uh, besides all that, I want you to give him horses. I want you to give him silver. I want you to give him gold. And then besides all that, <laughs> toss in a little goodwill free will offering if you don't care. A little bit of free will offering for the house of God. That is, what? A heathen is lifting a building fund? Why? It was time. Praise God. It was time. It was the time. And nobody can stop it. As a matter of fact, God's going to do something that he ain't never quite done before. He said, I want you boys to finance it. Y'all the wealthiest empire in the world. I want you all to pay for it. I want you to finance it. I want you to get the whole thing. I want you to give them the edicts and the orders. You understand? Yes, sir, God, I'll do it. Praise God. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priest and the Levites was all them whose spirit God had raised. Now what's absolutely amazing is there's going to be thousands of Jews that are not going to feel the pull at this time. They're going to be just as happy and satisfied as they can be staying right there. Now, we might fault them for that. But in one sense of the word, the way the author wrote this, it was as if those only those who had been prodded by the Spirit of God could go in the first pull. You see, God began to move at the top with Cyrus. Notice the divine protocol of God. Then rose up of the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, or Benjamin as we say it, and the priest and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Was it because, oh, this great man and this guy here, he done, it had nothing to do with them really. The spirit of God moved on their spirit and they said, I've got to go. I've got to go. Others just said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't, don't do that. Do you understand that? That whole thing has been laying there for years and years. While the walls are gone, there's hardly nothing there. They, they, they tell me there's nothing but foxes. They're running in and out of there. And the, the, there's rubble laying there where it was destroyed years and years ago by the Babylonians. Are you sure you want to do that? And they just sat there all hunkered down. Why? Because their spirit was not moved upon. If yours has been moved upon in this day, you ought to be a happy camper. 
they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Midras, the treasure, and numbered them to Shezbazar, the prince of Judah. Now watch what's fixing to happen. It's going to take them years to arise to the place that they will come in full possession of a place to worship. But you see, the Bible tells us also in one of the prophets, despise not the day of small things. This seems so small and so insignificant. Satan probably not even didn't even get up out of his recliner down in hell. It was so small that he thought, nothing's going to come of this. He must have forgot about that prophecy of Jeremiah. It didn't make too much waves. It didn't cause much difficulty. And we know that Ezra and several of, of the people that was there, that was anointed under that pool, began to feel the drawing of the land of Judah. So they load up their silver and their gold, and they head that way. From Shushan, the palace, there in the land of Persia, it would have taken them approximately three months to travel by camel. And whenever they take off, and no doubt they were saying goodbye to their families and friends, and many of them thought, we'll never see them again. Oh, there they go, following a man. There they go, oh my goodness, nobody's been that way in years and years. What are they going to do? Now here goes Ezra and the other men behind him and they're heading off and the people following behind him and say, where are y'all going? We're on our way back to a restoration. Oh, well, are you sure? Can it be done? Yes. What were they encouraged by? The words of a prophet of God. Did it look like the land was theirs? It did not. Did it look like that there was much hope of it coming to pass? Probably not. Now keep in mind, most of the people that have now left Shushan and they're heading that way, most of them have never even seen Jerusalem. They've never even laid an eye because some of them were of that young generation and they had never been there. They were born and raised in captivity. But there must have been something upon them that anointed them to believe this is the hour. This is the time. And while were they encouraging themselves by the words of a prophet of God. And remember how those words had been recorded when Baruch went down through there and Jeremiah called for his brother's son, his nephew to come. And the Babylonians are there at the gates and fixing to conquer the city and take all. But God says, call for Baruch a witness and call for your nephew to come. And I want you to buy his land. You imagine buy his land when they're 
fixing to come down and the Babylonians is going to destroy the city. For God said, thus saith the Lord, they will buy and sell. There will be vineyards. There will be prophecies. So here at the beginning of the destruction, God prophetically is having the prophet of God to act out not only the redemption of the people of God of Israel, but also the breach between the seven seals. And here he was also acting out the type of Christ at the cross. What's he going to do? Hallelujah. Though Satan had us lost and we were bound and blind in the world, yet God said there will be possessions among my people. My children will be redeemed. They will come back to their inheritance. Jeremiah sitting there, the rest of the city, traumatized by the fear and all that was going on, but not Jeremiah because he had the word of the Lord. What are you doing, Jeremiah? I'm buying my uncle's son's field. Why are you doing that? It is a prophecy. And they were scrolled up in the seals and they found them years and years after that happened. What was it? The seals come open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God when the seals come open and the time was right and the people started moving toward that land. Can you imagine how they must have felt? Where are you going? Back home. How long have you been gone? I ain't never been there. I'm 30 years old, I'm 40 years old, I'm 45. I ain't never been there, but my mama told me about it. My daddy told me about it. My grandpa told me it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. How many believes we're going home tonight? Well, I ain't never been there, and you ain't never been there, but God had one carried over in this dispensation, and he was able to move beyond the curtain of time and said, let me tell you what I saw. I saw all of you over there. Hallelujah. It was perfection plus perfection. They're not getting tired. They're not getting weary. And he called him to come back and said, tell them what's waiting for them on the other side. Oh, my. Can you imagine in your mind as they come from this particular side coming around from where Persia would have been. And they entered into Jerusalem. Now remember they'd sowed the Gentiles there, which were the origination of the Samaritans, crossed between Jews and Gentiles. And when they come in, they already had been living there for some years. But they didn't care about the house of God. They didn't care about the wall. They didn't care about the inheritance. They had their own religion, which did not include the house of God. You see, a lot of folks have got a religion like that today. They've got a religion that don't include the house of God. So they can be a Christian, not even go to church. You know, they pass by 57 churches going golfing on Sunday, but they don't need to go to church because they're the Samaritan religion. Well, praise the Lord. But these Jews, whenever they crested the top of the mountain and they come in, there's no gold glistening as it was when it was built there and it stayed after the days of Solomon. Whenever they would come across and setting in Jerusalem, well, there's, there's a mountain setting up, Mount Scopus and all the different ones that's there. And here it sits in all the brilliant light of the way that Solomon had it overlaid in the gold. And mine must have been a beautiful gem just looking at, actually at it from the mount where Jesus had prayed. And you look down upon what a sight it must have been. 
But when they come across the hill and they see it for the first time, I can imagine, Brother Rob, many of them must have broke down. Maybe there were some old daddies that had been along and they lived to come back and they said, oh, Lord God, oh, the glory that used to be here, what it used to be. We used to see great meetings here. We used to see divine healings and miracles and folks getting saved. Come on now, preach with me. People getting the Holy Ghost, oh, what a time we had here. But now all I see are foxes running in and out of the rocks. I see the rocks that are all burned up because remember when Nebuchadnezzar sent his army there and they did it, my, they destroyed the thing. They didn't totally raise it to the ground as it was in the days of Titus, but they destroyed a great portion of the walls and, and burnt the city. And whenever they would do this, it would actually ruin the stones to where the stones could never be used again because it would create such heat that it would cause them to burst and they would weaken. And when they come across the hill and saw it for the first time, some of the old timers may be reminiscing what they used to have there. Oh, I hope and pray. It's never said about us as a church of the living God. Boy, I remember when we used to go to church and folks used to get saved and we used to clap our hands and shout and say, praise be to God. Oh, but now that ain't nothing but a memory. Not on my watch. I said not on my watch. Hallelujah. I want us to always believe that he's the same he yesterday, today, and forever. I don't want us to believe somehow that only us old timers and us old people should have a new birth and a genuine experience with God. I want every one of our young people to have the same experience I got because it's kept me down through the decades. Come on, saints. You know, you parents, it's kept you. In fact, what you want your children to have, we don't want to give them a substitute of an intellectual conception. Well, you believe God sent a prophet. You believe the message. Yes, yes, yes to all the above. Well, all right, you're saved. You got the Holy Ghost. You play tapes. That's a token. That's a lie. The token is the blood of Jesus Christ. The prophet of God never says a tape is a token, but the token is the blood of the Lord Jesus. Well, come on, somebody. Say amen. We don't want it to be said about us. Oh my, we used to have great meetings there and great this and that and the other. We want it to be said if we die and another generation comes on and they die and another generation comes on. We want them to say, praise God. We're still having the same kind of meetings Brother Donnie had. We're having the same kind of meetings Brother Darrell had. We're having the same kind of meetings that Peter had and John had and James had and Bartholomew. That's the kind of meetings we ought to have. If we're their brothers and we're born of the Spirit of God. It should not get weaker. It should not get watered down. It ought to be greater and greater and greater while we're nearing the coming of the headstone. <sighs> Praise God. So they come in and they lay the foundation of the temple. They start building a little here and building a little there. 14 years passes. The wall is still not restored. The gates are not back up. And there's a younger man one day standing in the court and he's serving the king. He's his cupbearer, Nehemiah. And every other day, he would come in and they were taught and trained to have a certain demeanor about them when they were in front of royalty. 
to never let their feelings or their emotions be expressed in a downside. But this day, Nehemiah come in and it was written all over his face. And the king had so troubled the king that the king said, what, what's wrong with you today? I've noticed you look different. Well, what's the matter? Why can't you be happy? He said, how can I be happy when the city of my fathers lays in ruins? How can I be happy when the gates have been burned and the walls have been torn down? So the king further inquires and said, well, what is this city? What are you talking about? And he, he tells him. And he said, well, what is it would make you happy? Well, glory to God. Of course, all he drug out his list. 13 Cadillacs, 14 Mercedes, 22 BMWs, three yachts. Isn't it amazing that God picks people whose desire, ultimate desire, is to be in his presence. Now, can you imagine Nehemiah had the favor of the king? Ask what you want, Nehemiah. This is what I want more than anything. A house for God and his people. I want our city restored. I want walls. I want gates. I want a place of safety. I want a place where our young people can gather together. Come on, somebody. I want a place where our young people can sense the power of God. I want a place where young people can't just be told of what God was, but they can be told of what God is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the Spirit of God again moved on this king. What was it? Time for the second pull. Time for another phase of the promise of God. Nehemiah couldn't make this happen on his own. None of the rest of the men could make it happen. Ezra went there and did his part, but God never meant for one man to do it all. Now let me say this to you right now. I believe in a one-man message, but I do not believe in a one-man ministry. I believe in a one-man message because the prophet of God used them terms. But you find one place where the prophet of God used the term one-man ministry and I'll eat the book and the tape. That is antichrist. It's against the Bible. Well, come on now, some of you little Nehemiahs. Oh, my. So after 14 years of Ezra, Leading out, now we have Nehemiah leading another group of people. And they're going to do something else. But it's all to the unification of the fulfillment of prophecy. So it come in phases. You see, friend, when Brother Branham was here, and the men of God that was pastoring churches and so on then, and even years after Brother Branham was gone, they led. Thank God for many of those men. Thank God for many of those men. We would not be here today were it not for them. Is that right? They preached the message, and many of them introduced the prophet, and many of them, that's as far as they knew to take us. But thank God for the other men of God that are here today. If there is a tomorrow, God will have men for tomorrow and another tomorrow. Oh, notice now Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Then said I unto them, now they traveled three months again from Shushan. 
And they arrive, and when Nehemiah gets there, he can't believe his eyes. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Now they've got a temple that's being built. That was in the administration of Ezra. The law and the people were revived. In a sense, it was a first phase of revival. And the people began to hear the word again read and preached. And even the priests moved among the people. Remember, they made a pulpit for Ezra. And he stands up there and reads it. And then the Levites get among the people and they go to explain him to them because they're hearing it read, but they didn't understand it. But the Levites got among them and they just kept on saying, read more, read more, tell us more, tell us more. What was it? A revival by hearing the word but it was also a revival of understanding so the Levites are among them and they're making what they're hearing real not adding to not taking away but they were anointed to help the people understand praise God oh but Nehemiah looks right and said we've got a house of God and we've got certain things but look we have no guidelines We have no standards. We have no perimeters. I mean, here we've got a house of God, but we've got foxes running in and out of the house of God. We've got jackals. We've got all kinds of things that are going on because the perimeter, the boundary, that which protects it's not there. And, and, and yet the people that had come in that first dispensation, they were anointed to build the house of God. They were anointed to lay the foundation. They were anointed to do certain things. But it's like when it come to the wall, they just said, well, I've done all I know to do. I, I, I ain't no wall builder. So here comes a wall builder. And he goes to look around, he said, we're in a mess. Really? Oh man, we got the house of God back. We got the temple of the Lord back. I mean, we, we thought we was doing good, but y'all ain't got no standard. Don't you understand? That's why we needed Elijah in this day. To help reestablish the standard, should do this, shouldn't do that, can't go here, can't do this, can't. Well, hallelujah. Oh, that's what really cuts a lot of folks off, though. You know, they, 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 they want Jesus to be there in their heart and save them from going to hell, but they don't want to be the Lord of their life. Now, watch, he said, you see the distress that we're in? How Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall. Oh, you mean we're not supposed to build another church? No, he wouldn't now to come and divide the congregation and go on the other side of the hill there and build another church and say, well, I'm starting another church over here because now I'm, I'm tired of being under that man and I want to start me another church over here. No, they were to build together. The church was built. Now this guy is there and what's he going to do? He's going to start rebuilding the wall, defining what's considered to be the holy place of God. Everything on the outside of the wall is unholy. It's not consecrated. And there was no standard. Amen. So he had women cutting their hair, prophesying in britches. 
men wearing shorts to church and everywhere else. I took care of the desk it was as freezing cold as it could be, 20-some degrees the other day. And I seen a man at Lowe's, and I mean, he had on them short britches and had on a hoodie and a big coat. And I thought, you're nuts. I took care of said, look at them. A lot of these men in this day are worse than the women. They've got to show them gorilla legs of theirs. Ooh, about rolled out my window and whistled at him. People are insane. You got a hoodie on, you got a big thick coat on, you got your britches cut off up here. What in the world's the matter with you? The flood is over and the land is dry. Why do you still wear your britches so high? <laughs> then I told them, oh, glory to God. I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. That's also the king's words that he had spoken unto him. And they said, let us rise up and build. You see, Nehemiah did not believe in a one-man ministry. Nehemiah believed that Ezra played their part. The elders played their part. 14 years prior to that, and God, for whatever reason, wanted it to go in this cycle. But now there's some more people with another vision. What is our vision for our future? What is our vision? Oh, but Brother Donnie, I'm living a I could go home tomorrow. That's the way you ought to do. We ought to live that way. But if you listen to Taking Sides of Jesus 1962, you'll find out why that I've done things as if though we're going to be here for another 150 years. I don't believe we will be. But I'm planning as if though we are. I'm so glad that Brother Branham did not live in the narrow tunnel vision that many of the message people live in because if he did, we wouldn't have any tapes because he said, well, the Lord's coming tomorrow. They don't even make enough. But I'm so glad that he made tapes, praise the Lord. I'm so glad he kept ordaining preachers to go out and start churches, hallelujah. Why? Because that was the vision from the very beginning of the apostolic age, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on singing. We're going to keep on doing everything we can do, and hopefully he'll come in the morning. But you know what? If he comes in the morning, we have been busy right down to the last few seconds of doing what we're called to do. Praise God. And they said, now what's in what notice? Now it's not just him, but now you got some people under the spirit of the word. And they said, I'm waiting for they. We're with you, Brother Donnie. Go, we're with you. Let's do it. Let's preach the gospel. Let's reach out. Let's, let's do what we can do. Let's do it, Brother Donnie. We're with you. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I don't mind telling you right now, friends. I'm doing a good work. And I ain't coming off this wall. Now, the reason I can say it's a good work, not because it's my work, it's his work. And if you're a Christian and you're doing what you're called to do, you're doing a good work. 
So don't come down off the wall and let any devil, any compromise, any disease or whatever more try to get you off that wall. But you send a message to the Sanballat and all the rest of them and say, I'm doing a good work and I ain't got time for you, devil. I ain't got time for you, devil. I ain't got time. I'm doing a good work and I ain't coming off the wall. Oh, but watch how this works. Verse 19, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, I get emails occasionally from the Horonites and the Amorites and the Stickyites. And Geshem, the Arabian, I think I've got one from him too, heard it. They laughed us to scorn. You silly people. Do you, do you all think you are going to rebuild this city? And what did you do in Shushan? I polished shoes. What did you do? I sold vegetables on the side of the road. I was a vendor. And what did you do? You wasn't a converted guy then. <laughs> and what'd you do? I prayed every now and then. <laughs> and you think you all are gonna rebuild this city. Let me tell you something, friend. When you have a need in your life or your home or your body, you'll meet these same devils. You are such a silly people. I want you to notice that Nehemiah, it don't even slow him down. These guys actually accuse Nehemiah of bringing rebellion against the king. They laughed us to scorn and despise us, and they said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? He didn't even tell them. He had a personal letter in his pocket. Sometimes you're better off just to fry the devil slowly. <laughs> he could have drug it out right then, but sometimes you're better off just to hold your peace for a bit. You never know when you're going to need all that atomic power at one time. So he takes no notice. No notice. Hallelujah. He takes no notice of the accusation of rebellion against the king. Why? Because he knows it's not true. Praise be to God. But rather he leaves the adversaries to supposition. So if you all just want to think, I did this on my own. Go ahead. It's up to you. You mean you're not worried that we're thinking this? Don't bother me in the least. Why? Proof. But I ain't going to show it to you right now. I'm going to let you sweat a little bit. So instead of human claims, Nehemiah makes the divine claim, the Lord God. It's the one who will anoint us. 
to build this wall. It's amazing, these tactics. You see, God, by administration, chooses different men for different phases in the battle. And Nehemiah avoids opposition by concealment until it's needed. But then whenever the opposition kept pressing, he made it known. Then he said in verse 20, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Notice him saying about the king. See all this silver? See all these love offerings? See all this gold? See all this stuff? Guess where that come from? Persian. Persia. Persian ladies. Persian lords. They're the one paying for the house of God to be built. The God of heaven, he'll prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Oh, my. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. My friends, this describes the condition of the church's enemy for the last 2,000 years. Amen. The church's enemies have no portion, no namesake. They have no declared work. Notice what he told them. Ye have no portion, no right, no memorial. Oh, you have no portion. This city never belonged to you. You had no ancestral ties. Praise God. Me and Carol heard the prophet say it today in the Invisible Union, that seed of God, he said, there's only one form of eternal life, and that was you. You don't remember, but that predestinated seed that was in you, hallelujah, found you. That's what it was. Oh, it wasn't something, well, my daddy done so-and-so, my great-grandmother, it goes beyond your great-grandmother. It goes back before there's ever even any time. You have an inheritance in Jerusalem. You have a memorial. What do you mean? In the back part of his mind. You can't go no further back with that memorial. Hallelujah, what does a memorial do? It declares something that has been in the past of something that is a memory when God slipped that predestinated unmerited grace that wedding band on your finger there is your memorial friends we have a memorial in Jerusalem we have a memorial in the house of God the family of God they had no name no ancestors in times past nor had they done anything to perpetuate the memory of Jerusalem. They hated it. Therefore, they are cut off. Look at Ted saw in the days of Luther. You look at people down through the church ages and how they stood against the light of God. There's the church's enemies. And the bride has enemies today. I feel sorry for them. I do. I can't keep from feeling sorry for people that turn away from the truth and walk in darkness and become an enemy of the very truth. They used to stand in a church and say, I believe, I believe, I believe. But they are cut off. Think of it. You see, one of the greatest privileges given to you and I tonight is to be a member 
of the body of Jesus Christ. But don't you understand the enemies? What a privilege it is to be a member of that mystical body. But the enemies of the church can never have that privilege. As far as they can go as being a member of a church. Put their damn on some man-made book somewhere. And if they get mad at you, they can erase it. I'm glad man ain't got access to the book of life because my name had been took off a long time ago. I'm sure long of yours have been the same way. Hallelujah. The God of heaven, he said, we have a privilege. Why are we here? Because our fathers were here. Why do we immerse people up here in this pool and we don't take them down and the titles of Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Why don't we take them down in the name of William, Mary, and Branham the way some people in this message do around the world? Because we're not heathens. Don't you understand? You have a privilege to be a member of the body of Christ. May I bring it on down in the natural assembly of the local assembly. God has given you the honor to be a privilege to be a part of Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, some people look at you and feel sorry for you. The way the real saints of God look at it, it is such an honor. It is such a privilege to sit in a church where the presence of God is there and the power of God is moving. And Hebrews 13a is on display. Hallelujah, we have a privilege of ancestral reputation. Oh my, the brothers that I've been preaching about and the sisters possessing the gates, why is that so real to us? It's in our family. Who is David? He's not a historical factor to you. Oh my, my Ruth is not a historical fact to you. She's your sister. David is your brother. Hallelujah, they are your family. That's who we are, children of faith. It's part of our ancestral history. It's in my history. But the Samaritans claimed, this is our city. The Palestinians want to claim today, Israel is our city, Jerusalem is our capital. Y'all ain't got no record of ever being here. Are you all a bunch of dummies? I mean, my goodness, all I got to do is go to YouTube and all I got to do is go over there into their, into their museums and walk around and see stuff that's carbon dated, plumb back to the, the city of David. They, to this very day, are still digging right on the outside of the gate in the city of David and just have uncovered things in the last few weeks that date back to the days of Solomon. Ancestral privilege. But Brother Donnie, there's one great big problem the Dome of the Rock, which is no more than that to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I've got this and I've got that and the other, which ain't no more than that to God. When God gets ready, it's got to move. It was time for the children of Israel to go back home. And God didn't move on a priest. God didn't move on a prophet. But God moved on the heart of a heathen king. And he began to toss in his bed back and forth maybe. And he began to get restless. And he said, the Lord God of heaven that gave me the kingdoms of the earth. He has placed it on my heart to build a house for his name. But I'm not going to do it. Is there anybody here that wants to go? He wants you, his people, to do it. 
Praise be to God. Oh, he anointed that king, but he did not want the king's hands doing it. Wow, let me tell you something, friend. The church of the living God has a privilege and an opportunity for their name to live through the ceaseless ages. The name of a good man is like precious ointment. Think of it. There will come a time that the name Pharaoh will never be mentioned again. The name Judas Iscariot, but the name of the righteous will be uttered through eternity. This honor is denied to the enemies of the church. And they are also forbidden to participate in the work of the church. You see, God's people are united together under two great principles. First is the love of the Lord Jesus. And the second is the love for our brothers. And this work is the most highly exalted work that has ever been on the earth. Oh, to work for the city of Johnson City. My, some people might think, well, I work for the city. I work for the state. So which shovel do you hold? Shovel one or shovel two? Whenever we pass by and see y'all standing on the side of the road. As you can see, so some of us don't really respect your position very highly. Sorry. But when we work for the family of God and the work of God, there is no greater. Oh, what a privilege it must have been for Donald Trump if you liked him. What a privilege it must be for those who work for Biden if you like him. But what a privilege it is for us to work for Almighty God. Now let's go a little farther. Can I have a few more minutes? Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. But it came to pass when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall. He was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. But what's amazing is, they don't even acknowledge it. They don't let it get them down. They don't let it stop them. Now the Bible says he was wroth, but inwardly the way he's expressing it, it's expressions of deep fear. Uh Don't you understand demonic anointing works this way? Sometimes people that scream and holler the loudest, they're actually afraid. Why do the enemies of the message keep on doing what they're doing? They're scared. They might as well be. I just just done a search on it today where the prophet of God said, my voice will haunt you down through the ceaseless ages. Oh, they pretend to treat the work of God with great contempt and mocked the Jews, the Bible said. Notice, and he spake before his brethren the army of Samaria. Here comes Sanballat, 
So he got on YouTube and said, <laughs> I've been set free from this old Branhamite cult. I don't do this no more. You're free, are you? Well, why do you study the message now more than you did when you were in it? Why do you quote him now more than you did when you were following? And yet you're free, are you? Who are you trying to convince, us or you? Well, praise the Lord. Spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Oh, look at the sarcasm. Look at him saying things that are totally impossible for a man to do. Oh, they're going to wipe everything out in one day. They're going to totally restore everything and do it in one day. And no doubt all this feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had all these likes on his YouTube channel. Yeah. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of ruined lives? Smokers, drinkers, drug addicts, backsliders, which are burned. Oh, they're going to do it on one day, are they? They're going to make great stones out of this rubbish. You imagine when Jesus told Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And Satan went, <laughs> Until the day of Pentecost. And then when the day of Pentecost, he goes, Oh, look out, boys, here they come. Look out, here they come, 120 Jesuses. 120 of them. What are they? They're a chip off the same old rock. Hallelujah. Marked out copies of the likeness of the Son of Himself. Oh, that's the way the Lord does. He takes piles of rubbish. He takes a pile out of Johnson City and a pile out of Elizabeth and a pile out of Minden, Louisiana and a pile out of here and a pile out of there and He transforms them through the power of the Holy Ghost and He makes building stones in the house of God and the devils that once said there ain't even no hope for them said get out of their way here they come but you know this is absolutely incredible thought to look at some people who can stand so bravely when they are shot at crumble when they are laughed at. Listen to me again. Some people can stand so brave and so defiant when they're shot at. But boy, if anybody criticizes them or don't accept them, they collapse. <laughs> Shakespeare said it this way. Shakespeare called ridicule Paper bullets of the brain. But he says those bullets have slain many a warrior. So he uses criticism. Look at these foolish Jews. Look at how they're going to build in one day. Oh, they're going to run all of us out here. Now they're defying the king. 
they're going to do this and they're going to bite, you know, if they build it up. Why Fox will come in and tear it down? The work is so feeble. What is it? Sarcasm. Do you understand that many preachers, this destroys them. They cannot take being criticized. So they just, they get so bitter, so bitter, and it becomes the tool that destroys them, not so much when they're fired at, when they're criticized. Well, I don't take it well. Well, you think the Lord Jesus liked criticism? You think I like it? I don't figure none of you do. But it's part of who we are. I'll tell you one thing. If everybody in this message loved me, I'm coming to the altar tonight and I want every one of y'all, women and girls included, to come and pray for me. Because there's something wrong with my life. I expect to be criticized. I expect to be hated. And let me go ahead and tell you, you might as well expect it too. You're going to be hated. It's not unusual for the enemy of the church to criticize and insult the church. Goliath ridiculed David as we just looked at it last Wednesday. Jesus was mocked by the soldiers. Paul was ridiculed. The Lord Jesus mocked hanging on the cross. When the enemy laughs at what God's people are doing, it's a sign of blessings in the making. God is going to bless his people in a wonderful way, so just get ready. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Now an average eastern fox will weigh about 10 pounds. So here you're laboring and you're sweating and you're laboring and you're doing all this stonework and boy, you've done all that and here comes a little 10-pound fox and he just runs right up on there and sits right up there real pissified and whenever he does, he just knocks that whole thing plumb on down. Is that what you want to believe? This is their report. But I'm anointed for possession. But the doctor said this, and my mama said that, and then what? You go ahead and believe your mama then. You want to believe what the doctor said? That's up to you. I want to believe another report. By his stripes, I am healed. Oh, my. Even if that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Well, not only signifying how weak it was, but they weren't going to get it very high. Because as you know, a fox ain't got the legs of a giraffe. So a fox's little legs about that tall. So I said, y'all ain't going to barely get off the ground. I mean, you're just barely going to get off the ground. And whenever you do, a little 10-pound fox will come in and just tear down your great big confession of faith. And you get one little pain, and you get this little thing right here going on and that going on, and the first trouble you have, well, you're ready to go back to the world. You're ready to burn all your bridges and go back to drinking, doing all the things you've done before. But you need to look that lying devil in the face and say, you're scared, ain't you? You're scared, ain't you? So you're telling me lies. That's what you're doing. And you know what? These things right here, they said there wasn't one of them that come to pass. Because the time they got done, there wasn't a fox in the land that was big enough to get up on that wall. There wasn't a fox strong enough. There wasn't an elephant big enough to get up on top of that wall when it was done. But you've got to look past the devil's lies and look to God's promises. Let me find a place to get off this wall. 
so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof for the people. For the people had a mind to work. So one man brought the message that they were going to rebuild the wall. Then that one man delivered it to others. And then the people took the message and started building the wall. Well, come on now, somebody. Let me just read this to you. I know a lot of folks don't like this quote right here in the church age book, but I do. And every church age, we have exactly the same pattern. This is why the light comes through some God-given messenger in a certain area. Then from that messenger, there spreads the light uh-huh, through the ministry of others who've been faithfully taught, but of course all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. So I'll tell you one thing, they're not going to be able to speak what the messenger has spoken if every time they get up and they push play. He did not say play what the messenger has spoken, but speak what the messenger has spoken. Well, somebody say amen. There's only one way for me to prove that I really believe this message, and that is to speak what the messenger has spoken. You see, if every time I get up behind the pulpit and I say, we will now introduce our pastor, Brother Branham, and I push play, I'm not speaking what the messenger spoke. I'm taking a carnal impersonation that's going to lead both me and you to the tribulation period because I'm not doing what he said and I'm not saying what he said but we right here in Happy Valley we've got a little portion of the wall and we're going to build it to the top we're not stopping Brother Larry we're building one stone after another after another why because we're on a wall and we're doing the work and we ain't coming down But it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, that a bunch of them, wouldn't it? Heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped and they were very wroth and conspired all of them to gather. Aha! A great gathering together of the Ashdodites and the Sanballites and all the rest of the ites and the mites to fight against Jerusalem. It came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the door upon the gates. The Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together. In some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, I've been waiting all night to get to this one verse. Just stand. I get to it and I've got to close. How many knows what Nehemiah's message was back to these old boys? Oh no. <laughs> I had me a good giggle this evening. And I was sitting downstairs studying this. Oh, my, I thought, praise God. 
my two daughters sitting at home, and Erica tonight, unable to f- come to church. When I read this today, I thought of both of them. My girls, let me speak to you tonight and say, when that devil lies to you, you call back this to him. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. Oh, no. I'm doing a great work. I'm up on the wall. And I ain't coming down. Oh, no. (laughs) Whatever you're facing tonight. And the devil tries to get you to compromise. You see, this place laid between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Laying down there kind of in the middle ground. We'll compromise a little bit. Well, come on over and be a friendly neighbor. He said, I ain't got time to fool with you. Don't you understand? I ain't got time to fool with you. I'm doing a good work. Amen. Amen. friend, that's why I can say it tonight. I'm doing a good work. Not my work. This is not my work. It's his work. That's why I can say, it's a good work. You're doing a good work. Saints of God, you're doing a good work. You're living a life that's identified by the word. It's a good work. Don't be backward. Don't hang your head. You don't have to be ashamed. It's not your work. It's the work of the Lord, Brother Tom. Praise God. So they offered to meet him. Yeah, you didn't realize this is a tactic of the devil. His strategy was if you can't whip them, join them, and then try to take them over. First, try to defeat them, try to talk them out of it, saying that wouldn't work. Okay, then we'll join up with you. What do we want to join up for? They want to get in there and become strong arm, and then they'll take it over. Then they'll lead it in the way they want to go. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Not here. Satan tells you young men and you young women, you'll not be able to make it. I'll tell one of you, so, so, and so, and so. Oh, no, devil. You're talking to the wrong one. I'm doing a good work. I'm a young man that loves God. I've got my issues. I've got my problems. But I ain't meeting you nowhere. I ain't meeting you nowhere. You ain't getting me out of my city. What you want to do, you want to pull me out from my rank, don't you? You want to pull me out there and oh no. Well, I'll tell you what I think about oh no. Oh no. Oh no, devil. I ain't leaving my Jerusalem. I ain't leaving my church. I ain't leaving my city. I ain't leaving the family God put me in. I ain't leaving the ministry God put me under. I ain't leaving this word. Oh no, devil. Go ahead, give him a hand. He's worthy of it. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, we'll shut you down. Oh, no! You'll have to quit preaching. Oh, no! I'll kill you. I'll do this. Oh, no, you won't, devil. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Maybe if you need a place to read in the Bible, read the book of Nehemiah. We might pick it up again next week. I love it because the way they divided up the work portions of the wall, this man and his sons would work here. And then this man and his family and that tribe, they'd work there. 
It was like everybody was there and they're all doing something. So it wasn't just one man. And it wasn't named after one guy. But this family did this. This is like their allotment. Don't you understand? That's what you are here. As a member of this family, if God placed you here, it's like you've got a certain spot. And when you don't do it, you put more work on me. You put more work on the rest of them. Look, we're not just trying to build one side of this wall. Okay, well, I've got the Reagan side done. What good does that do if the rest of it's got holes in it? Well, we've got a good pastor. We've got a good associate. But we need sheep. We need people that will build a wall around their life, around their home, around their families. Why? Because it's a wall and we've all called to build together. Don't you see how close they were? They tried this four times. They tried this four times on Nehemiah. He just kept saying the same thing. Oh, no. I ain't going to oh, no. Keep telling you, boys, I ain't going to oh, no. Go back and tell them. He wouldn't even go tell them himself. But he sent some people down there to tell them. Tell them I ain't coming. I ain't going to oh, no. I'm going to I am. I ain't going to, oh no, I'm filled, I'm finishing this wall. I'm called to build this wall, hallelujah. I'm called to, look friend, I want to do what God's called me to do, don't you? Oh, whatever portion of the wall, a little bit of the old tiny spot that we've got here to build, let's build with all of our hearts. The devil will try to pull us to, oh no, and oh me, and oh this and that and the other, but just time right there and say, I ain't got time to fool with you, devil. I ain't got time for you, devil. I ain't got time for you, devil. I'm a busy man. I got devils to cast out. I got the sick, oh hallelujah, lay my hands on. I got folks to encourage. I ain't got time for you, oh no devil. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Let's stay in the city. Let's not go to Ono. I'll tell you one thing, friends. If you go to Ono, we'll be saying, oh, no, about you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not them. Oh, no. Oh, no. They did this. Oh, no. You see, that's what happens when you listen to the devil. And he talks you into Ono. But if you stay in the city and keep doing what you're called to do. Oh, no, don't even scare you. Because you think, my inheritance ain't in no, no. Was Abraham an oh, no? Was Jacob an oh, no? Oh, no. Hallelujah. I ain't going to oh, no either, because I don't want oh, no to be said about me. That ain't who I am. Oh, no ain't who I am. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, I love these these folks. I love this era and time, Lord, when they're called in such opposition to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls, and, and they're fulfilling prophecy. They have so much opposition and so much sarcasm. And Satan changes his tactic from one thing to another to another. He don't let up on them the whole time. But they're called, they're determined, they're chosen, and they're anointed. Lord Jesus, 
I believe we are just as called, just as determined, just as predestined, just as anointed as they were. Nehemiah, a man like this without the Holy Ghost. Ezra, a man without the Holy Ghost. And yet they completed their part of the restoration. You started it way back in the 1500s under Luther. The just shall live by faith. Then Wesley. Then Pentecost. Then Elijah. Praise God. Under that administration come the restoration to the original faith. Now, Lord, here we're not looking for another prophet. We're not looking for an eighth-day messenger. We're not looking for some great man to take us through. We're not looking for some great man to tell us what Brother Branham meant. We want to just live what he said. We don't need somebody to tell us what he meant. We just want to be that word that he prophesied about. So, Lord, here we are on a wall, as we'd say. We've got a little tiny portion that's been allotted to us. May we build with all of our might. As Nehemiah and his brothers, the opposition got so great, they would have a trowel in one hand and a sword in another. Praise God. That's the way we are. We've got to fight for every block we lay. We have to fight for every inch of the ground that we claim in God. But it's worth it. Oh, the devil says, hey, why don't you come on down to Ono? Compromise a little bit. Man, you don't have to be that serious. Let up on this and that and the other. But our reply is, oh, no, we ain't going to Ono. No. We're too busy. We ain't coming off this wall. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. How many wants to be anointed tonight greater than ever before in your position? You housewives, you daddies, you mamas, you young people. Well, Brother Donnie, I work a job eight to five every day. I don't preach. I don't sit down and study the Bible hours like you do. No, you're not called to do that. But you just live what you hear preached. Let this word live out of your life and be a light and a witness. You're the word expressed. You're building on the wall in a lay member's way. You're taking that tool and the mortar of the Spirit of God and letting it lay that great work of God in your heart. Evangelists are doing one thing. Pastors are doing another. Teachers are another. But it's all for the same thing. We're not trying to build a, a great big sphere here out of Donnie Reagan. We're going to name this the Donnie Reagan Wall. That's one of the greatest discredits you could do to me. It proves you do not love me and respect me if you'd want to make some idol out of me. Or Brother Tim or Brother Ron or any other brother. There's only one worthy of worship among us, and that's the Lord Jesus. But let's build, shall we? What about a church? Well, we say, well, yeah, but go ahead, Brother Donnie. Bill, go ahead. No, no, no. It ain't me. It's us. It's us together. Some of you mix the mortar. Some of you tote the blocks. Some of you cling the red refuse out of the way. Let's build it together. Let's finish this work that Almighty God's given us. 
I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. Well, I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. Well, if I was a sinner, I'll tell you what I would do. I'd give up all my sinful ways and work on the building too. I'm working on the building. I'm working on the building. church in Germany. He's writing his 95 theses. What's he doing? Luther's working on a building. Luther worked on the building. <laughs> well, Luther worked on the building for his Lord, for his Lord. Now what are we gonna do? 
Are they going to just sit around and frown and say, poor old me and you? Wowsy, wowsy, woo. Well, I can't say for you, but I can say for me, I'm going to work on this building. Going to work on this building. I say, dumb old devil, ain't you learned nothing at all? Come on down to oh no. And I said back, oh no, 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 no. Ain't got time for you, devil. Ain't got time to listen to your lies. Cause we just about got the walls done and we're getting ready to fly. possess hells, I'm going to possess a new body with eternal life, with eternal eyes, with eternal hair, with eternal stature and eternal strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, if you'd calm down, just be real still. We'll let you alone. I promise we will. But you see, old devil, I don't believe you're alive. Amen. And there's one thing for sure, I ain't going to, oh no. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on down to, oh no, with me. And we say, oh no, we don't like your company. We got fellowship with Jesus. We got fellowship with the angels of God. And the benefits of working for the king are out of this world. So you see why I ain't leaving him, Satan? You see why I don't want to go back to, oh no, I ain't going to, oh no, no more. Pray. This is a type of song, there ain't even no end to it. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. But Brother Donnie, you've been working on it for a long time. I know. Don't you ever get discouraged? I do. Don't you get tired? I do. Don't you think you better retire? I ain't no tire in the first place to retire. <laughs> you know what they do to old preachers, don't you? Put them out to pastor. <laughs> P-A-S-T-O-R, pastor. Hallelujah. If I get so old, I can't preach. I can still pray for those who do. If it gets old, I can't get up and hop around, jump around, praise God no more. I sit there and wiggle my cane. Pray. Remember the Daryl being the same nursing home. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Brother Darrell, remember when we used to preach together, buddy? Where we go down to the nursing home hallway? Where are they going? There goes them preachers. What in the world is the matter with them? They said something about they ain't going to Ono. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Friend, this is so good you can't get too old to outlive it. It's so good you can't get too sick that it ever gets away from you. It'll stay with you right down to the very last moments of your breath. Don't you love him? Praise God. Brother Darrell, come pray, buddy. Come on, you can push your wheelchair up here. Don't you love the Lord with all your heart? Be encouraged, saints, no matter what that devil tells you. You just remind him you're a part of the body of Christ, and you ain't going nowhere if God gets down with you. Let him ridicule you. Let him laugh at you. Let him make fun. Let him do whatever he wants to. He's terrified of you. He'll huff and puff and say he's going to blow your house down. He ain't blowing this house down. Because Jesus said, on this rock, I will build it. And the gates of hell will not prevail. I love you. It's a privilege, Brother Donnie, to serve with you, brother. It's a privilege to work on this building. With such a wonderful man of God. Amen. It just shows you that we need each other. We're a body. It takes all of us, not just the pastor, not just the song leader, but every one of us. Your amens, your hallelujahs, your head nods. And it's all working together. You know, we've been preaching. He's been preaching about a wall, but we're actually building a building a tabernacle that the Almighty God will dwell in, in us, expressing Himself through us, that the world will know that He lives and reigns the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's just changed His mask. Amen. He's just changed His mask. He's now wearing your image. Oh, my God. He's reflecting Himself through you, friends. What a wonderful privilege it is. Amen. If I came to... You know, years ago, down at San Carlos, brother, with Brother David, Brother David Swanson and myself and some of the other brothers went down there and, and built a room on to the, to the church there on the Apache Indian Reservation. And I ain't no builder. I can't even nail a nail straight, but I did what I could do. You know, Brother David out there working, I got this and I got that. We all got a part to do. You may not be able to hammer or may not be able to saw, but you can carry something, pack something, bring the water. We can all do something. Amen. Hallelujah. And what a privilege it is to be called into this army of the living God. Amen. He chose us. We didn't choose him. Oh, hallelujah. What a wonderful privilege. Do you love the Lord? It's, it's just such a wonderful. Amen. Amen. I was sitting back there thinking, oh, no, I hope you don't ask me to dismiss <laughs> I just, it's hard to dismiss a service like this. You just, you just, what's it going to be, friends, when we all gather in there that day? And, oh, it's, don't miss it. Here, people don't miss it. There's nothing here on this earth worth missing that over. Amen. Until then, let us be faithful. 
Let us work on this building. May the Lord go with you, keep you. Sure love and appreciate you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, it seems there's people in this world that go through their whole life and they never have a purpose. But Father, we are so grateful that you and your love towards us has revealed to us our purpose, Lord. God, we're just so grateful in our hearts that you chose us for such a time as this that you would fulfill your word through us, Lord. And Father, I just want to thank you tonight. Lord, I, I don't know how to use a hammer or a saw or a level, but Lord, whatever I can do, help me, Lord, to do it to the best of my ability. And Father, I pray for my brothers and our sisters. If we leave the building tonight, may we realize, Lord, that each of us, dear God, has been called in this hour and positionally placed for this moment, Lord, in time. And Father God, you don't need my ability. You just need me to yield to you, Lord. So Father, help us all just to yield to you, Lord, that you can work through us that work that you want to accomplish in our lives, Lord. That we can hear you that day when it's all said and done to hear you say, Lord. Well done. Well done. Until then, Lord, let us labor with all that's within our hearts. Go with you people now, Lord, I pray. Father, you see the needs tonight of those that are sick, God. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus by that same anointing that raised you from the grave, Lord. May you raise them up off their sick beds, dear God, we pray. Lord, those tonight, whose hearts are heavy, the loss of loved ones. Oh, God, I know what it is, Lord. I've been there myself. May you comfort their hearts, God, we pray. Oh, God, may they take this moment, Lord. And may it be used to be drawn closer to you, Lord, we pray. And Father, bless you, little bride, around the world. And Lord, we ask that you do the strength of our precious brother Donnie. Lord, I just thank you so much, God. That you allowed me to work on this building with him, Lord. Father, I pray that you renew his strength and be with this family, Lord, we pray. Go with my brothers and sisters now, Lord. May they all make it safely home. We commit this service and this word and our lives into your hands for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Appreciate you. Love you in the Lord. Go in the fear of God. Remember the service this weekend. I forgot what <laughs> I forgot where I was. <laughs> Remember the service this weekend. We're traveling down towards Arkansas, so we appreciate your prayers. Go in the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Sing us happy, brother. If you can't help me, don't try to stop me.
gotta block me, got a race to run, and I'm running by faith at the finishing line. I'll see God's face.